Hey, everyone. It's Pastor Mike. Before we get to today's episode, I want to encourage you with another one of our podcasts that take you deeper into God's Word. After listening here, please check out Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. Amber's one of our bloggers and writers, and she's amazing at helping you navigate life's challenges by keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Amber is a sister in Christ, really mature, really honest, really funny, a really good friend of mine, and I know she's going to encourage you with her message. Just search for Little Things wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Do you ever get stuck in your past? Maybe Google Photos or your social media account reminded you of a photo from your past and all of a sudden a past regret, a past sin, uh, a time you hurt somebody or you were hurt by somebody comes up in your mind and you start replaying that story over and over again. And the more you replay that story, the more distressed you get. Now, it makes sense that your, your brain would try to resolve that past story. The problem is we don't always have an accurate view of the past. We don't always know whose fault it was or who was wrong or who was right or what changes we need to make. Have you ever seen uh, the Harry Potter movies or read the Harry Potter books? Well, in those stories, there's a thing called a pensive. And it looks kind of like a baptismal font and you can plunge in it into it to get kind of video camera footage of your past to know accurately exactly what happened. The problem is there's no such thing as a pensive and we don't always know exactly what happened in our past, who was at fault or who was right or who was wrong. But God does. God knows what happened. He knows who's at fault. He knows what went wrong and he knows the best way to get out of it. And he's the one who tells us to forget the former things and leave them in the past because he's doing something new. That's exactly what he told Isaiah to write when Isaiah said these words. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing because I will provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Now in context, Isaiah is talking to the nation of Israel who filled with regret because of their past sins that led them into exile and Babylon. And what Isaiah tells them to do is to forget about their regrets, forget about their past. They don't have a completely accurate view of everything that happens. And now God is doing something new for them. In Jesus Christ, God is saying something similar for you. Jesus lived for you, died for you, rose for you. He's paid for all those things in the past and he's promised to use your past to do something new. And so we don't have an accurate view of everything that happened in our past and we don't need one. We can trust that God is going to use our past. Look up. God is doing something new. Let's pray. Lord God, forgive us for our past and use our past. You have an accurate understanding of all the things that have happened before. And you tell us to forget those former things and help us to trust that right now you're doing something new. In your name we pray. Amen. Sometimes our past intrudes into the present moment. 
Often this is called being triggered. Maybe a certain conversation with somebody or a certain scent or a certain taste or a certain location brings us back to a time when we hurt somebody or when we, um, we did something that we're ashamed of or we let somebody down. Now, those feelings of shame and guilt can be so overwhelming that we try to stuff them. And maybe we try to stuff those feelings with uh, being distracted on technology or a Netflix binge, or maybe with drugs or alcohol, or maybe we stuff those emotions down with food. The problem is it doesn't really work. When we stuff those feelings of guilt and shame, it's like trying to keep a giant beach ball under the water. Not only uh, does this take a lot of energy, but it doesn't work. Eventually, they pop up to the surface. King David knew what that felt like. King David was a man who committed a horrible sin. He, he committed adultery, and then to try to cover up his sin, he murdered the husband of the woman he committed adultery with. Now, whenever he had these feelings of guilt and shame, he continued to stuff them down. And this is what he describes as what he was experiencing when he would stuff those feelings. He said, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And so the more he tried to stuff his emotions of guilt and shame, he felt like his bones were wasting away within him. But finally, he let these feelings of guilt and shame come to the surface, and this is what he said. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. He finally let those sins come to the surface, when the prophet Nathan came to him and confronted him, he confessed his sins to that prophet and to God. And it's the same thing that you can do. Instead of stuffing those emotions, when those feelings of guilt and shame come up, let them come to the surface. Talk to somebody you trust, a trusted pastor or friend, so that you could also hear that you are a forgiven, loved child of God. Stuffing our sins doesn't work. So let's tell them to our Savior. Let's pray. Lord God, when I am triggered by my past, the things I've done to hurt people that I care about or the times I let them down, instead of trying to stuff those feelings of guilt and shame deep down, Lord God, put people in my life that I can confess those sins to and more than anything, convince me that I am a forgiven, loved child of God. In your name we pray. You can't be in two places at one time. For example, you can't be fully present when you're driving and also trying to text a friend. Or you can't be fully present with your family at the dinner table and also trying to answer work emails. You can't be at two places at one time. And you can't really be in two time periods at once. You see, our brain has this incredible ability to think about the past. And that comes in handy when you want to cherish fond memories or you want to learn from the past. But sometimes we get so focused on the past, focused on our hurt or focused on our pain or focused on our regret, that we actually find ourselves 
living in the past and missing out on this present moment. Now, there is a time and place to go into the past and process our past with a trained counselor or a pastor or a friend so that we can learn from our past, but we can't live in it. My grandma taught me how to do this. My grandma had all sorts of reasons why she could regret things from her past, but instead of living in her past, she learned to live in this present moment. I remember when I was a little kid, I'd stay overnight at her house, and I'd wake up to the smell of a fresh bacon and eggs and pancakes, and I'd come out of the bedroom, my pajamas, and she'd turn around and say, it's a beautiful day to be happy in the Lord. And I'd say, yeah, Grandma, I know you say that every day. And she said, that's right. I say it every day, especially even when it's raining outside. That little phrase was her way to remind herself that God wants her to live in this present moment, that this is the day that God had made for her and that he has something planned for her. It reminds me of what it says in the Psalms in Psalm 118, where we read, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that God has made. He has things for you to do today. So instead of living in your past, live in this present moment. You can learn from your past, but live for today because this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the blessings of our memory, that we can cherish fond memories and we can learn from our past. But Lord God, help us to know that we don't need to live in it. You have forgiven us our past and you've given us good things to do today. This is the day that you have made. Help us to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. I like to buy flowers for my wife, but sometimes I don't always have the purest of motives. Sometimes I'm buying her a gift because I'm trying to make up for something I said or something I did. But the reality is there's no amount of Starbucks or chocolates or flowers that can really make up for past sins. In fact, sometimes it just makes matters worse. Now, if that's how it works with my relationship with my wife, uh, it's even worse when it comes to my relationship with God. The Bible says that I can't make up, I can't pay God for my forgiveness. That's what we read in Psalm 49 where he says, No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. There's nothing we can do to pay God back. And Do you ever find yourself trying to do that? Maybe you feel guilty about a past sin or a regret, and so you try to maybe give more money to church to somehow pay God for his forgiveness. Or maybe you try to volunteer more and do enough good deeds to somehow pay off your debt. But there's nothing that we can do to make up for our past sins, nothing we can do to pay that debt. But the good news is we don't have to. That's what Jesus did. When we read uh, what Paul says in the New Testament, he writes, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us our sins, canceling the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So instead of us trying to pay off our debt, 
Jesus took all of the ways that we've sinned against God and broken that relationship, and he took that charge to the cross and nailed it to the cross. Now I've found that when I sin against my wife, the best way to deal with that is instead of buying her gifts, just to go up and give a sincere apology and make plans to never do it again. And that's how it works with God too. Instead of trying to buy off God's forgiveness, to go to him with a sincere apology, to confess my sins to him and trust in Jesus and make plans to never do it again. We can't buy forgiveness from another human being or from God. The good news is we don't have to. Our debt has been paid in full by Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, when I think about all the ways I've sinned against you in my past and I have regret in my past, I see this debt that I have before you, a debt that I cannot pay. But the good news is we don't have to pay that debt. You paid the debt for us in Jesus Christ. And so we give you thanks. Amen. Do you want to know the best movie of all time? It's Back to the Future. At least it's my favorite. I love the storyline. I love the idea of time travel. I love how it all puts together. And if I'm honest, one of the reasons why I love that movie so much is I wish it was true. I wish I could go back in time and somehow fix my past or make up for my past or do things differently. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever wish that you had a time machine? That you could go back in the past and fix everything? My bad news for you. It's just a movie. We don't have access to time travel. But the good news is we don't need it. In the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, there is a story about a young a teenager named Joseph who's daddy's favorite. He's arrogant, he's a tattletale, and his brothers can't stand him. And so one day they plan to get rid of him. They sell him into slavery, into Egypt, and he goes into Egypt, he gets falsely accused for sexual harassment and gets thrown in prison, and things seem to go from bad to worse. But then one day, God opens up a door for him to be second in command in Egypt and to govern the whole country during a time of a great famine. Well, it just so happens that years later, his brothers come to Egypt looking for food. And Joseph has all the power and all the opportunity to get vengeance, to make up for all the things that had happened to him. And that's what the brothers are worried of. They, they repent of their sins. They're afraid of what Joseph is going to do to them. But here's what Joseph says to them. Joseph says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, Joseph didn't want to go back in the past and change the past. He didn't want a time machine because he believed that although his brothers intended to harm him, to get rid of him, God intended it for good. God was using all those experiences to mature Joseph, to use Joseph, even to save lives through Joseph. And that's how God always works. 
when we think of the story of Jesus Christ, we think of all the people who intended to harm Jesus to the point of putting him up on a cross. But what they intended for evil, God intended for good to save many lives, even your life and mine. And so, when you look back on your past and you wish you could somehow get access to time travel and go back and change your past, realize that you don't need to. That whatever was intended for evil, God can use for good, for the saving of many lives. Let's pray. Lord God, when I get concerned about my past and want to go back and change my past, lead me to trust that you can use my suffering, even my sin, for good. In your name we pray. Amen.